Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a currently weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And today we're covering Lucifer Season 1, Episode 13, the finale, Take Me Back to Hell. I literally cannot believe that we are in the finale. We only started doing it the other day. <laughs> So ridiculous. It felt shorter. It doesn't feel like 13 episodes already. Yeah. I'm also really happy that it's only 13 episodes for the season because it felt very compact. And wholesome. Yeah. It was a good length for a first season. Yeah. Half a season to get introduced to the characters, even though a lot of shows don't get a chance to get so well-fleshed out characters in such a short amount of time. Did a really great job with it. We're going to talk about this at the end more, but they left enough mystery and foreshadowing in there for us to be intrigued for season two but they also tied up loads of loose ends yeah so for me this was a very very well balanced season finale in that regard but then again it's not surprising because it's basically a two-parter to be honest episode 12 and episode 13 they go directly into each other and the last episode was written by ildi herself and this episode was written by joe these two obviously work very well together and they know very well what they're doing and it's just been a joy getting into their show and a special joy to be confronted with their writing and storytelling skills. Yeah. Very much there for it. But speaking of the finale, that also brings us to the next week's episode. Reminder that next week's going to be a summoning episode. So we will not be following a regular format. We're going to be talking about your feedback because I'm sure that by now you have sent us hundreds of emails. We're also going to be talking about our feelings. Do we have to talk about our feelings? I don't like talking about my feelings. Yes, you do. And you will. I am emotionally stumped. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm quite excited about how that's going to turn out. It's going to be a journey for both of us, I'm sure. It's new ground. And for you, our listeners as well. It's not going to be just our patrons who are going to get some more of the silliness and craziness that very often takes place when we record this. And usually gets banished into the cutscenes. Sorry, not sorry. Look forward to a weird more intimate and personal experience with Vero and Lina. Speaking of Patreons, of course, as always, we're extremely thankful to the people who decided to support us over at patreon.com. You guys have had access and will continue to have access to the aforementioned cut weirdness and access material that did not make it into the normal release. That being said, time to get into the season final episode. IMDb and Amazon descriptions were pretty much identical again. I think they're finally starting to get a hang of it. Yay! When Lucifer is framed for murder, he and Chloe must work together to clear his name and prove the identity of the true killer. Accurate description is accurate. Spoiler alert, though. Uh, yeah, they spoil it, but at least I didn't put Malcolm in the description. The German title is slightly different from the English one. It says, One Time to Hell and Back. So even the title already tells us that Lucifer is not staying in hell. Well, technically that can be about Malcolm. The English title, once again, is set by Lucifer himself. Very good. To a deal, even. And as I mentioned before, this episode has been written by Joe Henderson. Woohoo! Go Joe! That's it with 
Facts and Fun. Okay, our previously on is summoning the entire, I just cannot say it like a normal human, is a summary of the entire season. So it was a little bit longer than we usually get it. One minute and one second. Let me try to put it into a sentence. Whew. Previously on Lucifer. Mace keeps a feather from Lucifer's wings. Ames stretches out how powerful they are and that they are a piece of divinity. Chloe makes Lucifer vulnerable, but Demon Blade can hurt him anyway. Dan took the untraceable gun for Malcolm. Lucy exchanged his coin for his life. Ames gets all upset for Mace trying to kill him and gets in fight with Lucy. Mace gets pissed off and leaves them both, leaving the knives behind. Malcolm started killing people to please Lucy. Lucy got upset, breached who was attacking Lucifer earlier is found dead in Lux and Lucy is getting arrested for it by Chloe. Dun dun dun! Which brings us straight into the first scene. It is a direct continuation of the last scene of the last episode and therefore we do not have any music there. This is the first episode since the very beginning where it takes a couple of minutes to actually get any song at all. It's very high suspense and it's very tense energy in the scene as well. So Lucifer is getting more and more unraveled during this when he tells Chloe that her opinion basically is all that matters. He's so hurt. So painful. And his face is showing how hurt he is by this whole thing happening. He's basically trying to suicide by cop to get sent back into hell. Huge props to Chloe to trying to talk the other cop down to not shoot Lucifer because he is unarmed. This would be a huge issue if Lucifer wasn't going to be rescued by his freaking brother. Obviously, she fails because the cop still shoots, but she's trying and she put away her gun and everything. So props to her. I was very confused uh, initially why Amenadiel decided to save Lucifer. I did not see that coming. Yeah, luckily the revelation of Ames's reasoning comes very, very quickly. We're on top of the hotel now. And Lucifer is as confused as I was why Amenadiel saved him and then now even refuses to take him back to hell. Yes, we get the little trope of don't tell anybody that you carried me in your arms like a baby. Which <laughs> is very funny. It's very cute. I can picture it. And D.B. Woodside is probably strong enough to actually do carry Tom Ellis on his arms. So I would love to see that. <laughs> I want you to remember this, by the way, for later. Suspense. <laughs> Luckily, Ames tells us quite straight away what is happening and watching him being a broken angel. That happens when we go back on top of the hotel. That's in scene four. You can see in his face that something happened, that there is a reason why he saved Lucifer. And we will get into the reasons in the next part of this scene. But uh, it's just so cute. Family. Gotta love them in, even if you hate them. <laughs> Depends on your family. But in that case, yeah. In this episode, there's a lot of changing back and forth between sets. And we start very early on already with scene three, when we go from the hotel rooftop back into Lux, which is now the crime scene. And we see Malcolm getting his hands on one of May's demon knives. And it's so obvious that this is not gonna be good at all. Actually, at that moment, I kind of stopped for a second and thought about... How could he tell that they're anything special? And 
then I realized, of course he would, because he's seen them in hell. He can tell the difference. I do wonder, does it mean that every demon has like a set of maze knives? <laughs> I don't think personally that they, they look the same, but you can tell. Because Lucifer later on mentions that they were made of worlds. So uh, it's either the technique or the material or something like that that has something to do with Malcolm being able to recognize her. Maybe it's about some part of energy that he feels of it, but it's very obvious that it's gonna bite someone in the ass. Though I must confess, I fully expected him to stab Lucifer and I was very surprised when it did play out differently. I think he planned on that. Most likely, but I was surprised it didn't go as expected, which actually is one of the the reasons why I really enjoyed the writing in this episode mm. because whenever something happens it makes sense but I usually did not see it coming it's not a plot twist for a plot twist it's a plot twist for a reason exactly and that is for me good writing I was very happy that Chloe is actually coming to Dan to talk about hey I need your help I don't think Lucifer did this because it's in such stark contrast to the last episode when she was brushing him off after the girl in the pentagram scene I think that the reason for her to do this is that she feels like she could use a bit of help in uh, clearing Lucifer and I am actually really glad to know that she knows that Lucifer is innocent because in fairness she is absolutely right it doesn't make sense for Lucifer to be the killer it doesn't fit his modus operandi at all and probably it just took her a few moments to get over the shock of the staged scene and let's be honest Lucifer's emotional unraveling probably did not help with her being able to rationally go through the situation and realize it's a frame job. And at the same time, like, if you find somebody <laughs> sitting in a room having a drink next to a dead body, you have to bring them in, whether you think they did it or not. Yeah, but of course her pulling a gun on Lucifer. Not a good choice, no! <laughs> yeah, I could have played that a bit smarter. I really like the dialogue between Chloe and Dan. Have you noticed that Dan was completely ready to blame everything on Lucifer anyway? Until he sees the gun? Yeah, because how does he phrase it? She says, pretend you don't know Lucifer liking this already. Yeah. <laughs> the animosity between those two is still there and strong. Which for me just reconfirms how good of a character Dan actually is that he was trying to save Lucifer's life even though he has this much and this obvious dislike of the man. Points for Dan there. For sure. I really like the framing of the scene when you have Chloe and Dan talking to each other and like, I think he didn't do it. Oh, well, then it's a frame of it. Who could have done it? Oh, I don't know. Ta-da! The gun! There could have been neon letters on the gun. Malcolm! Malcolm! And we end this scene with a very confused Chloe because there's like, we have to talk, but somewhere else. Finally, Daniel, finally. I was on the Dan train here, which is a nice feeling because it's so rare. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice the sign on top of the hotel in the next scene? This scene is so cute. When we first seen them getting on top of that hotel, I just wanted to really hug Lucifer because he's standing there drenched, <laughs> sad, confused why Aminadil didn't let him die. His lighter doesn't work. So sad. And now we get back to it and he's like, what the fuck just happened? And you can look at Aminadil and he just looks so sad and desperate and he realized how much he fucked up. And you just want to hug them. I was actually quite impressed by Aminadil finally taking 
responsibility for his actions and even conceding the point when he says people died because of us and Lucifer going no because of you. Yes, he's not fighting Lucifer and that's so rare. For me, this scene on the hotel rooftop is a lot of character development for Amenadiel. For sure. Which most likely was because of Mace walking out on them. And because they beat the shit out of each other in the previous episode. Yeah, but I think without Mace... Yeah, well, for sure. But it's a lot of released aggression between the two of them and they can see things a little bit clearer. But they fought in the past and I think Mace's mic drop was the final straw to make... Amenadiel actually look inward for a change and not blame outward. So I was impressed. We get our title card at 6 minutes 16 seconds. And I really like that Amenadiel is given the reason why he is refusing to bring back Lucifer to hell because he wants to take care of the Malcolm situation first and he's asking for Lucifer's help. Not just is he not arguing with Lucifer, he's actually asking Lucifer for help. And it was nice to see Lucifer getting perkier because he was so unraveled when he felt like Chloe didn't trust him and the whole situation falling apart. And having the option to give out punishment to Malcolm, who so clearly deserves it, gives him a reason to go on. Yes, and it puts a bounce back into his step and a smile on his face. It's very good to see, because like you said in the beginning of the scene, it's just, oh, you want to hug the two of them? And then they're back to smiling. So it's great that they're together at last. So the potential that we talked about back in the episode where they go to the auction, when they had the little back and forth, and you can tell that they are brothers in the end. Brothers first over anything else. In general, we have weird team-ups this episode because later on we get Chloe and Maze as a team-up, and now we have Lucy and Amanda deals. And then we have Malcolm and Trixie. <laughs> Basically, it was nice to have these different paces of the characters put together because they're so contrary. Having Chloe and Mace, especially because you know that my picture of Chloe is very rigid and different from the one you have. And so Mace for me is an extreme opposite of Chloe. So you have the yin-yang there. And then with Amanadine and Lucifer, you also have the very opposing characters. So very yin-yang there. And let's be honest, looking at Malcolm and Trixie, Trixie being a child, innocent, smart, good, charming, likable, and Malcolm being everything except those things. Malcolm being bad and evil and horrible and disgusting and nobody likes him. And I love that you took my stupid joke and you put it into a context and it actually works. I think it's really, really well written. Yeah, well, for sure. There's no question about that. Like I did in the last episode where I kept praising the writing. I'm sorry, this is going to continue this episode again. Well, and now we get to Aminadiel's office. You mean Dr. Kanan's office? <laughs> Aminadiel Kanan. <laughs> That's a mouthful where they go on having a discussion about what needs to be done and Ames is expecting Lucifer to solve this problem for him which is kind of expected but dude you have to do a little bit more to clean up your own messes Lucifer might be the devil but he's not gonna be helping you out here this is all on you dude but I think this is the first actual mess that Amanadil has admitted to so I think he has very little experience in how to deal with this and in his view Lucifer is the master of the messes so he obviously has more experience in how to deal with shit that he fucked up also love the fact that he calls 
Charles Amunadiel egotistical twit. Oh yeah, wonderful. But the best part of this scene for me is Linda's fucking timing. It's so great and when she starts laying into Dr. Kanan for stealing her client. Oh, so, so good. But as we do in this episode, instead of going right over to her office, we go back to Chloe and Dan. And what a way to start the scene with a face punch. Well-deserved one. It was a proper punch punch. And ah, I was so there for it. Also, big props to Chloe for being fully aware what her actions back at Lux had as an effect on Lucifer. That he now feels that she abandoned him and this is why she needs to find him. Well, he literally tells her. He tells her that her opinion is all that matters. He says, you think so and that's all that matters. No, okay, maybe not literally, literally, but he pretty much tells her. I like that she's realizing what her actions have now done. Yes, of course, but she's known Lucifer for a while now. She obviously gonna realize that she has some effect on him that he may have not worded outright to her yet but they know that they make each other vulnerable for starters and betraying that trust is very big especially because she clearly knows and this goes both ways either of them don't have many people to trust and that is one of the reasons I think why they got so close so quickly because they found that in each other they found somebody who is worthy their trust and the fact that Chloe was forced to break that is terrible and it's very painful and she realizes that because she is empathic Mm -hmm. she is smart yeah I agree it's great that she does it but it does not surprise me at all also it's a fun parallel actually that basically Chloe gets betrayed by Dan with the whole Palmetto stuff and Lucifer gets betrayed by Mace with the Amenadiel story so the closest person they each had directly betrayed each of them and now pretty much anything that's left is each other and Chloe by pulling her gun on Lucifer risked that. So Chloe punches Dan, which is great. That is an agreement on both sides. He deserves it 100%. And I kind of like that she tells him, look, you can't change it. Pretty much to me, this means I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to forgive you, but you can start making it up to me by helping me out clearing Lucifer's name. And he is obviously very much up for it. With that, we are cutting to the next scene, right? Oh, we're cutting to therapy for siblings. Picture of Amenadiel and Lucifer next to each other on Linda's couch is amazing. And Linda, once again, is the fucking best. How she shuts down their bickering. She goes down hard on Amenadiel. And you see in Tom Edison's face, <laughs> because he's agreeing, obviously, with everything. And then he wants to make the fucking innuendo joke. And she slaps him down so hard. She's like a teacher right now. And she goes to say, every time I think you come upon a moment of realization, you go the exact wrong direction with it. I'm so grateful that the show is self-aware that they have done this repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly to the point that she is actually calling it out now herself. I really hope that this means, because I simply assume that Lucifer is going to continue going to therapy. I hope that now that she has told him, she will not 
let it slide as often as she has in the past. Even though, of course, he does exactly go off the wrong direction from what she had intended with her speech and leaves. But at least he leaves with a compliment. Yeah, she tells him he's not listening. She does call it out, but he does exactly the same thing all over again. She is doing a great job. She is being very strict and very straightforward with them, but such is not helping. So I personally don't think that anything's going to change in their relationship if Lucifer's going to keep going to therapy, but it would be a nice thought. (laughs) I'm hoping because in the entire episode, people's relationships to each other seem to change and evolve. Yeah, but Lucifer's and Linda's relationship didn't change at all. And that's what I'm wondering if this might be the basis for her to be stricter. Maybe. With him. So I'm hopeful because it would fit how other pairings have evolved. Speaking of team-ups, my next scene, scene 8, is actually called (laughs) team-ups. Because we get the Mace and Chloe team-up here. Mm -hmm. I was surprised that Mace is at Lux after she did the mic drop on Amenadine and Lucifer. I would not have expected her to hang around. Yep, same. I found that surprising and I'm curious if there's gonna be explanation for that in the future. I found her very aggressive towards Chloe. But she always is that. They never talked before. This is the first time they're having a conversation. Really? Yeah. But I still, I found her quite aggressive, even though it kind of makes sense because after all, Chloe is the reason why Lucifer, whose safety is the biggest priority for Mace. And also because the party ended. She literally says so. Chloe asks her, why don't you like me? And she says before you showed up, every day was sin and party and enjoyment. That all changed. It's not just the safety, but it's part of it Mace is having egotistical feelings and I'm there for it because she needs more purpose than just Lucifer's happiness and safety but she also needs to think about herself which she is doing now coming up is the crashing of funeral which has our first song of the episode and I'm sure you're gonna love this one the name of this one is reading your will by Zachary Kibbe of course it is because we're at a funeral it feels like Lucy and Ames are going off on adventure and they're having fun and pretty much if you look at it you can kind of see that Lucy is being Chloe and (laughs) Ames is being Lucifer so even though Lucifer is very often depicted as a person who doesn't 100% understand humanity in this situation that person is Ames and Lucy is so experienced and so worldly and it's just very very cool and it's fun watching their dynamic that's a very good point Lucifer is the Chloe in that pairing definitely we're coming over to Malcolm's place I mean, the statement with Maze, I wish I had my knives, is just another confirmation that the knives are gonna be relevant. Just like before when we see Malcolm taking the one. And that Chloe says, you're not gonna need your knives. Maze goes, I never do. But it's more fun. What didn't feel off at all, of course, is the second the shotgun blasts are happening, Chloe is diving to protect Mace. Yes, obviously. It's so Chloe. And also, she's done the same with Lucifer before. Yeah, we even had the same camera angle for that. Yeah, so as much as Lucifer is the Chloe in the other pairing, Mace is now the Lucifer in this pairing. I'm there for it. It's very good, yeah. I would watch the two of them together. (laughs) I love that Mace and Chloe are bonding and Mace is even sharing the fact that she almost killed Chloe in her sleep that one time. In such a nonchalant way. And it's just like, well, it's probably good that I didn't because you seem like a cool person. And Chloe in the background like, what? 
She is so like, what the fuck is happening? Who the fuck are you? And how do you live? And just like Lucifer sometimes delivers very relevant and important information to the cases that usually works. In this case, Maze is the one giving the information on Malcolm's hunger. In the same matter of fact way that Lucifer talks about being the devil, she just as much doesn't filter what she says. So I was very there for it. I also forgot that Malcolm had a wife. You forgot that? Well, yeah, because we don't have any reminder of that for many episodes. She left an impression with me when she cuts verbally into Chloe, when Dan and Chloe show up in the in the hospital. It seems the way Malcolm is behaving that he doesn't have any strings. I feel like he doesn't have any strings anymore. To life. To reality. To sanity. Clearly. Because we have this depiction of his character. I completely forgot that he actually does technically have strings. He has a child, for fuck's sake. And imagining him as a father right now is very disturbing. I also got in my notes that poor wife. I have literally the same thing. Living with that person must have been so unsettling. And the fact that she must have been so happy when he woke up in the first moment. Yeah. In the beginning it must have been so great and then it probably turns sour. But now we get the same trope as we did last episode that you mentioned with the phone. The swapping the scenes. Another amazing transition. I was so there for it. This is the moment where Dan says, I have looked, there is no way. Malcolm is being really thorough and good. There's no way to connect him to the crime. Which is not surprising because we've said so in the past. Malcolm actually really knows what he's doing. In a weird way, he is quite smart. Yeah. The only problem that he has is that he likes grandstanding so much. And he's greedy fucker. To me the greed showed off in the moment when he told Amenadiel that he has the coin. Ah right and he says like do you have other motivation? Yeah it's like look I have the coin can you give me something better? Yeah yeah you got a point there. So if he would have just taken the coin and removed himself from the situation he would have been fine. But he couldn't stop himself he needed more. We actually get to answer one of my open questions. I know No, I noticed. Also, I need to just say one thing. Don't move, our wobbly head gets it. Very Lucifer. So Lucifer. Dan is finally being subjected to Lucifer's powers. Shakes him off one time. And Lucifer says, oh, you're one of the complicated ones. That's a surprise. And it re-sparks, of course, our debate with the forcing people to confess. But on the other hand, that's kind of the reason of existence for the devil to punish you for your sins. But it's really well done. And I like that the character of Dan gets the respect in quotation marks that he has a complex character and thus is not as easily swayed. Just for a second though. It's longer than pretty much everyone else we've met so far. I think there's like one or two other characters. There was just a few of them, yeah. Which also makes Chloe that much more special. Exactly. I kind of like the way they present his powers at this moment. When he first suggests the question, he looks at him and starts using the eye contact and the powers and he asks the question, but you want to tell me and because Dan refuses Lucifer has to go back to his more 
basic question to the general question what do you desire <laughs> and then from that he kind of draws back into you want to tell me come on I know you wanna yeah which is kind of nice to see him work he has to actually build it up also I really like that Dan is the point where all this information is now coming together he has the information from Chloe and Mace he has his information and now he gets information from Amenadiel and Lucifer and because all information is coming together in his brain and he's under Lucifer's influence he is basically spewing out what is going on and what is gonna happen and it makes perfect sense really well done coming up we have a longer scene because I simply kept everything that happens at Tommy's place in one scene do we have a song? not yet <sighs> don't worry I'll walk right in when it starts playing Malcolm obviously knows all the shady people that's not surprising that he knows Tommy but I was surprised that Tommy hadn't heard that Malcolm was back he was like I, I thought you died Malcolm has been back as a cop for a while and it hadn't been kept a secret or anything. My reasoning for this is that he was concentrating on what needed to be done in order for him to stay out of hell. So he didn't really have a chance to recall his old contacts. And he is constantly has been in a danger and under, let's call it surveillance by Dan because by his own choice, Dan is his partner. You got me wrong. I'm not surprised that Malcolm had not contacted Tom me before that's not surprising but someone as high up in like evilness of Los Angeles Tommy seems to have a lot of cash ready and he has his henchmen and yada yada so I would expect Tommy to have inside people Malcolm can't be the only corrupt cop on Tommy's occasional payroll so that is what I found surprising yeah I didn't think of that I really liked that they are sharing more information about how much Malcolm did to get himself in so much trouble Malcolm has his fingers in many pies yes and it is very interesting to see how far his reach goes also you can see why or how he got so far with his corruption and everything because he's very quick on his feet he's smart as fuck he's very smart so when the henchmen are called off he immediately comes up with a plan to get this money and use the situation to his benefit yeah also with the provided backstory for Malcolm in this moment later on when he threatens Chloe it's so much more believable that he has several sources and she will have no way of knowing who is on his side and who is on her side so I really like how they finish building up Malcolm because they have done so in small steps the entire season since he came back we have a lot of hate for him I mean I do yes but it's superbly well done it's gratifying to hate him it's justified yes we feel justified in our extreme dislike and hatred for this character yeah and so props to the actor and props to the writing indeed because it doesn't feel forced of course he's the cliche evil cop but he's smart and he's connected and he has been at this for a long while and we don't get an exposition dump once to know all this but it's given to us in pieces and pieces and this is how I like it speaking of pieces I love how much fun Lucifer and Amenadiel are having beating up the gunman and we have a soundtrack with it there is a great song oh god you're having so much fun I'm very curious now <laughs> the song is by Ratke and it's called Roman's Dawn and what I say is Broman's Dawn oh my god it's so great I love it so much <laughs> 
Really? Romance Dawn? Yep. Wow. That's a weird title for a Lucifer song. I get your pun. I can appreciate the pun. Thank you. But usually their song titles are more in your face. So I'm surprised. Oh, this episode has some more. Okay, there's fun to be had in the future. Okay. Lucy and Ames are having fun with the gunman. And afterwards, Team Chloe enters the game. When Chloe enters the building, two things happen very closely. And that is, fuck, Chloe's there. That means that Lucifer is vulnerable. Which is why I was expecting Malcolm to gut Lucifer when they start walking around. And again, fuck, Malcolm has Mace's knife. These two little information come in in a very short span and it made me go into all cups. Chloe showing up is not really problematic because Malcolm already has the knife that can hurt them. Usually her arriving somewhere puts Lucifer at a higher risk, which usually then means something might put him in danger. And this is why my expectation was okay. And now Malcolm is gonna cut Lucifer or something. And then he just guts a man a deal. I was just like, wow. But then Mace shows up. And as much as I hate the fact that Malcolm just stopped Ames, even though I kind of hate it on Ames a lot lately. <laughs> From the beginning, girl. This, oh, he has his moments. But this is not a good moment for Malcolm. He just made a very powerful enemy. And I would rather have Lucifer as my enemy than Mace, honestly. I have thought about that. And yes, Lucifer is terrifying and Lucifer is scary and punishes people, but Mace just does it for the pleasure. Yeah. And also Lucifer has grown more human in the last months and Mace hasn't. So I'm with you. What I really, really liked in this moment is that Lucifer trusts Mace to handle the situation without knowing anything how she can actually handle this. Yeah. This is how they used to interact with each other. And I like that we get back to this level of trust. Chloe, of course, being smart and managing to at least get the getaway money from Malcolm. So good on that. It's so sweet when Lucifer refers to Amanadil as something important. Aww. I have a question for this moment. Ah, yes, please. Why is she still aiming her gun at him? Even though she is not gonna arrest him or anything like that. She's not planning to do any of those things. Dramatic bullshit. This is actually one of two things in this episode that I wasn't happy with. Yeah, it just felt out of character. It feels like she is doing it to tease him, but why would she want to tease him when he is literally convinced that she has betrayed him and she doesn't trust him. I'm fully there with you. I don't have an answer instead of this is one of two moments where I'm not happy with the writing but hey, not too bad. Two moments in an otherwise amazing episode. It's no episode three, my dear. That is very true. I actually didn't mention that in the beginning but I've referenced it in the, in the last episode. This final episode has the highest rating of season one on IMDb. It's a 9.2. Wow, that's a lot of stars for IMDb. Yeah. What we get right after they make up is Lucifer. Let me paint you a picture here. Lucifer referencing a song because he looks at her and says reunited and it feels so good, which is a direct quote from a song called Reunited by Peaches and Herbs. Do you know the song? It was in the IMDb Facts and Fun. Reunited and it feels so good. I left it out because I was curious if you were gonna point it out. 
Okay. And imagine I stopped the episode and put this song on and I was just sitting on a couch listening to it, imagining Lucifer and Chloe holding hands, running <laughs> off to the sunset. Do you remember the opening credits of Diamonds Are Forever? No. Opening scene of Diamonds Are Forever. You having a, I believe it's a drug pickup or send off or diamond, diamond pickup, that makes sense. And <laughs> you have two villains together that are obviously in a relationship and it's two guys kill off the pilot of the helicopter so the helicopter crashes and they are in the middle of a desert and they're walking into a sunset holding hands ah. through the dunes this is at least how i remember it and i was just imagining lucifer and chloe in this like a super 70s 80s trope of them holding hands and just kind of swinging around <laughs> and walking into the big massive sunset while they're listening to the song reunited and it feels so good how great is that your brain is a very weird place my dear at times yes The music video is six and a half minutes long or like the video on YouTube and it's oh, it's so dated. It's amazing. Everybody should watch it. Maybe we put it in the show notes. I will. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I end this scene with Dan to the rescue because he says he's got this. And I like that Chloe trusts him that he's got this. There's no arguing. He has a reason. He promised her that he's gonna make this right. She still could demand more info or whatever. And he says he's got this and she goes along with it. And just like Lucifer went along with May saying I got this, Chloe goes along with Dan. This is a very good parallel. As we talked before, both of Lucifer and Chloe having been betrayed by the person closest to them and then only having each other and now both are back on a level where they accept statements like that at face value i like the paralleling yeah it's very good i also like that chloe admits that the reason why she wants to clear lucifer's name is that she wants to work with him i mean lucifer guesses it but she's not denying it and it's just so cute that's all i have for this my next note is in the penthouse and i have a cut scene Ooh, i'm surprised i did not expect there to be any cutscenes because there was nothing missing for me in this episode. It is an extremely short one. Okay. Do you remember when I told you, remember that Lucifer told Aminadil not to tell anybody that he carried him in his arms like a baby? Yeah. So in this moment we have Mezakin carrying Aminadil through Lux and Ames says, just don't tell Lucifer you carried me in your arms like a baby. And that's it. That actually answers the question I have for the penthouse scene which is how did Mace get a manadil into the penthouse by carrying him in her arms like a bay it's so cute also I think the reason they cut it it just doesn't look realistic because I think what they did do you know when when you have like a visual illusion yeah when I think that he is carrying her but they position him under the coat somehow that it looks like she's carrying him or something it felt like that I didn't really stop and no freeze framing shame Hey, that's your job, okay? Deleted scenes are your job. Yeah, so that's the cutscene and we can go to the penthouse with a song. You can do the entire penthouse because I only had the question and you already answered that. Oh, you're welcome. I am a seer. So we get this beautiful romantic song kind of going behind it. It's called H and it's by Lawrence Rothman. It's called what? H. Just H. Just the letter H. Yeah. Weird. Uh, <laughs> My favorite name is coming up in the next scene for a song so 
<laughs> it's very good. Yeah, so we have that song kind of playing in the background and Amenadiel says, it would take something divine to help me. Dun, dun, dun. So it's coming. Mace actually has something divine and she confirms your prediction that she kept it because she wanted to use it to get herself and Lucifer back to hell somehow. I kind of got the feeling that she figured that maybe she might be able to get them home with something divine, even though it's just one feather. But it's very, I think, significant that she decides to sacrifice that for somebody else. I think it's a big step for Mace. And the fact that suddenly her devotion to Lucifer is not her biggest motivation anymore. Yeah. I think that first kind of showed up when she failed to kill Amenadiel in the previous episode. But now we have more leaning into it with her deciding to sacrifice her going home or having the means to go home to save Amenadiel's life. And then we get the massive light coming out of the penthouse and the healing process must have been quite intense i'd say that Ames must have passed out from it i would expect so yeah it just looked really cool and like i said she gets a lot of character growth in here like so many of the characters and i'm really there for it but then we move back to the precinct when chloe and dan are bringing lucifer in and the way it's situated yeah they both have the hand like on, on his biceps uh, on both sides so it looks like they're taking him in and then dan walks up to the desk and gives himself up in order to save lucifer from from the look on Chloe's face, I say she did not see it coming. That he would give himself up this easily. Honestly, I didn't see it coming. I completely forgot that he does that. I saw this coming. <laughs> What I didn't see coming, and I was angry with myself that I didn't because it's kind of obvious, is that Malcolm kidnaps Trixie. I was surprised by that and I shouldn't have been. Yeah, it's it's very straightforward. It's very Malcolm. It's a very Malcolm move, yes, I agree. It's smart, it's gonna ensure that she keeps her mouth shut because Trixie is everything. It was the only way to get Chloe to do what he wants. So I was mostly angry at myself for not seeing it coming before. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't have done it for anybody else. She wouldn't have done it for Lucifer, Dan for anyone. She wouldn't do it for her own mother. No, not even for herself. Oh, I don't think there is a lot of things she wouldn't do for herself. I think that she does not hold herself very high on the list. But yeah, so it was a genius move on Malcolm's part and not at all surprising. And I also like that from Lucifer's face it's immediately obvious that he notices that she's behaving off. She is very obvious. She's very suspicious when she walks through the precinct. Also, we have my favorite song name of the entire episode. After... <laughs> After she hangs up the phone and walks towards the guy asking him about the duffel, a song starts playing called Rough Detective. Oh my god, really? It just plays on when she walks through the precinct. It's by Dead Weather. It's a good song. It's a very good song. But a title, what? Oh, people, why? <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, this is why I don't bother checking the song titles anymore because I know you do it and mostly for me it's grown. <laughs> it's so good. It's very obvious. It's very clear that, as we said, this is the only person that Chloe would do this for. She is bending every single rule, everything she believes in. It flies right off the window when it comes to uh, Trixie. She is suspicious about it. She is not handling it very well. No, because she's not used to behaving 
leaving like this. This is now gonna transition into the next scene. When she's in the parking lot and Lucy is playing around with a megaphone, he confronts her that the plan is stupid and Malcolm cannot be trusted. And she's like, I know it's a bad plan, but it's the only thing that I can do. And I like that she's fully aware that it's a bad idea and she's still gonna do it because it's Trixie. I was very much there for it. I like the dynamic that we're back to this intimacy between Lucifer and Chloe. And I also understand that she tells him, promise me you're not... You're let me go alone. Yeah. That's important, how she phrases it. I'm willing to accept that she is so preoccupied with worry for Trixie that she's not hedging her bets accordingly to be like, promise me you let me go alone. Promise me you're not gonna follow. Promise me you're not gonna meddle. Promise me blah, 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 blah. But instead, because she's under so much pressure, it's just like, promise me you let me go alone. And he says, you have my word. And then she leaves. We get into showdown part one because I have the wizard into hell as a separate part. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to talk about that. I knew that you would. <laughs> no worries. It's not an actual hell tangent. I already did that and it's a long one. Showdown part one. All the props to Trixie. I really like how she's handling the situation. I feel like Trixie is very unfazed by the whole thing. She is a bit scared, but then again, she has an unshakable trust towards her mom. Yes. That she is not too worried. Chloe tells her to run off and hide really well. And she argues once that she doesn't want to. And Chloe says, but you have to. And then she does it. That is, by the way, super smart move on Chloe's part. Yes. I feel like that is not a typical thing to do in a situation like this. Everybody else I would expect would just put Trixie in the car. So she can like drive out as quickly as she can when it comes to it. But it feels like Chloe is convinced that now she's gonna die. Exactly. Chloe is fully aware that Malcolm is 99% simply gonna shoot her. And so she needs to remove Trixie as fast, as far and as securely as possible from the moment. She's thinking like a cop. And the fact that Trixie listens to her means that she has absolute trust towards her. The focus of Chloe of putting Trixie's safety above anything else also continues the moment Lucifer shows up and Malcolm is distracted. Chloe runs away. Yeah. She's not trying to be a hero. It's more important that she stays alive as long as she can to protect Trixie as long as she can and not do any kind of grandstanding unarmed with Lucifer. I like it. I like it that she has this clear priority in her life with her daughter. Mm. I appreciate that finally Lucifer gets a mortal wound because of Chloe still being in proximity. Because this has been teased at ever since he has become unimmortal. I'm very satisfied that finally this has happened because if they had only teased it and not had him severely wounded I would have been very disappointed and I'm also very much there for Lucifer praying he has his hands not folded but laying on top of each other so it's close enough to a prayer pose without being actual praying hands have you written down the prayer no I have it's quite short. I think when he is saying the prayer and we have the cuts between his face and Malcolm going through the hunger, it's a very strong situation. Give us the speech because I only wrote down that he's offering up his freedom for Chloe's safety. He says, if you're up there, I need a favor. I'll be the son you've always wanted me to be. I'll do as you ask, go where you'll want me to. In exchange, all I ask is that you protect Chloe. It's very simple. And this is Lucifer sacrificing himself for a human life. In theory, we've talked about this many, many times over the season. What he did to get banished and to fall was 
to work for humanity and gets the free will and it's just something really really strong and something it just means that lucifer is completely different person than he was when he started this journey because he is willing to offer himself up and his own freedom as you said to save one human this is not about the big picture which lucifer was never about the big picture he was always about very individual destinies he was very much about himself and also very much about himself but he did wanted his own free will but he also managed to give humanity free will which we have not had confirmed inside the lucifer lore but i fully agree with you yeah for me the biggest part about this is the development from the extreme egotistical creature to one who is not just willing to give up his life but his freedom because so far freedom is the most valuable thing if he had just offered up his life or something that it would have been way cheaper but actually being like i'm gonna hand over what i rebelled for originally just so you saved this one human i was very much there for it then he dies like the subtitles explicitly state heartbeat stops So this is why I love my subtitles for hearing impaired, because you get nice tidbits like this. And then we have a transition where we go into the floor and then it seems like he's at the ceiling, but then the scene shifts for 90 degrees and he's walking. It's so well done. Does that mean that hell is at an angle towards us? (gasps) I'm just kidding. Why is it snowing ash in hell? Is that because of the fire and brimstone burning somewhere where we can't see it? Yes. That is my assumption, yeah. I'm not a fan of how the visual stuff is done. This distorted lens thingy. They also do that a lot in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And while I get why it is done and I can appreciate the intention behind it, for me, it doesn't deliver. It doesn't make it otherworldly to me. It doesn't make it different than real. It just makes it blurry. I think that we're back to the fact that you're extremely rational human being. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm not a fan of this technique in general. I can appreciate why it's done. That's fair enough. And my final thought on hell is with the open door. It is so obvious even before the end of the episode that this is gonna be the mission for the next season. That is showing you an open door that shouldn't be open, that can't be good, something got out and you're gonna have to catch it. I personally, when I watched this episode for the first time, I was extremely confused because I haven't noticed the chains. Maybe I've noticed the chains, but it didn't feel like they were open in any way or anything like that. It's a fucking blurriness. No, it's not. It's (laughs) he's walking around and it all looks the same to me and then suddenly he's back (laughs) I think it may have something to do that I was emotionally distraught by the fact that they actually killed him off how dare they really I found it completely plausible I knew that there was many more seasons how could he be dead we're coming back up to showdown part two and do you know what a deus ex machina is obviously good this is a literal deus ex machina and since the entire season we had the whole god that being actually involved and being a thing and being real and yada 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 it actually makes sense here mm-hmm. but for me it has a tiny meh moment for me because i don't like when the solution is 
outside anything that had been directly involved before. I understand that. But that being said, I kind of like the shadow that it kind of casts on Lucifer's life in the future. Because he is now directly obligated to do something a little godish IOU, if you will. Nicely put. Very nice. I'm extremely happy that Chloe is the one to shoot Malcolm. Yeah. Because her shooting Malcolm is actually righteous. Yes, and she has done so in order to protect a civilian. Therefore, she has done it as a part of her job, and it's not murder. Yeah. If Lucifer would have done it, he would have gone down for it. And also, it's a mirror of the situation when Dan was shooting Malcolm to protect her. But as you said, Lucifer is the civilian. And Chloe was another cop. Yeah, that's the difference. She's in a much more clearer, non-gray moral area, which she usually is. But that's the thing. I think that's why you don't like her as much, because you view her as a very black and white and boring. Yes, I like my characters to be gray. And that's why I like her, because I don't see her that way. We're gonna keep arguing about this, because so far I don't think she has done anything that goes into gray moral area. Except for the fact when she steals a duffel bag full of money from a station. Which is extremely clear. But it's against the law. Wait, 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 wait. Being a good, white, clear-headed cop does not mean you follow the letter of the law. In that moment, she is doing the right thing, which is protecting her daughter at all costs. Okay, fair enough. Morally, it is the only right thing to do, to do everything in your power to protect the life of your child. Yeah, and that's fair. Anyhow, but I have a question. I wonder if it's the same one that I have. Did God really take the coin out of Malcolm's jacket and put it into Lucifer's jacket? Look at that. It is the same one as I have. (laughs) I have a lot of questions about this moment. Oh, okay. That's my only question. It's more of a thought process than one question in particular. Hit me. In a way, does this mean that Lucy is the true master of the coin? Or did he take the coin himself from Malcolm when Malcolm was kneeling over him? Or did God magicked him the coin to hell? And does that mean that God knew about the coin? Because we have that question before. If Lucifer is the only person who knows about the coin, and that's why it's so different from the wings. Does that mean that even God himself needs means of transportation between hell and earth? So many questions. I'm pretty sure so far nothing has spoken against God being all-powerful. So I'm working under the assumption that God in this universe is supposed to be all-knowing and all-powerful. So I don't think God needs... Means for transportation. I don't think that. But I also think that, as with most metaphysical shows, she needs to follow the rules that he put into place. So had Malcolm kept the coin, he could have left hell again. Which is what made the need for the removal of the coin from Malcolm. I cannot picture that Lucifer took the coin from... Oh yeah, that was just in the moment one of the possibilities that snapped to my brain. For me, there's two options. Either God magicked the coin from Malcolm's pocket into Lucifer's pocket, or the coin is actually connected to Lucifer and even if he does not have it on him, he can use it to get out. Hence my question if Lucifer is the true master of the coin. And to that I would say probably. But then if that's true, that means that he got out of hell without God's help 
and therefore he is nowhere obligated to do his bidding. No, I think that basically the question that we have to answer for ourselves is does Lucifer destroy the coin or is the coin disintegrating because it's been used? Well, he says one use only. And then it disintegrates. Yeah, well, one use only because he just used it. That's kind of the question. I think it's hinted at and if God magic the coin from Malcolm's pocket into his metaphysical pocket because you're not taking your actual suit into hell probably... And then he had the coin on him and then he could use it. And then he would still owe God the fact that he put the coin back into his pocket. And I think that this is what the show most likely is going to go with. Yeah. But I'm not a fan of God putting the fucking coin from Malcolm's pocket into Lucifer's pocket. That for me is a cheap parlor trick. I think it was the most logical solution to the situation in a way that he not only got Lucifer back to Earth... But he also needed a way to get Malcolm in hell and keep it in hell. To, you know, fix Amenadiel's mess. Still, it's extremely unelegant that God has to be that hands on Z. Chloe and Lucifer are now back to a certain level of trust and they are great at reading each other, but Lucifer is deflecting at the end of their interaction. And so for me, this is more foreshadowing of how their relationship is going to be in season two. And I fear it's gonna continue with the slight progression, step back, slight progression, step back that I have been complaining about this season several times and I do hope I'm wrong. So I just want to put it on the record for now that I worry it's gonna continue like it has before and I hope I'm wrong. Honestly, I think it might, but it's just because it's a trope for the show writers to get some stuff across. But I think that that moment at the end of this scene, you get a look at Lucifer's face and he has this moment of realization, it feels even like, where he realizes that he sacrificed his own free will. He used to hold in the highest priority to himself. You think Lucifer is still processing? He's gonna have to find a way to deal with the fact that now he admitted that he cares about her more than about himself. And also he must find a way to never blame her for this because she had no active part in this. This is the type of stuff that people grow resentful about. But it all depends on how the relationship is going to progress. And how he processes the whole shit. Yeah. The first moment of realization is like, fuck, I actually did this and now it's real. Like something that's been creeping up on him for episodes is now a real thing because what he's done. Yeah. And that scares the shit out of him. And that's what I see in his face at the end of this scene. Speaking of scared, when we go into the last scene, Lucifer and Amenadiel are talking. And it's nice and light with, oh, where is May? So I don't know. I wanted to know. So I'm curious how that is going to play out next season. But Lucifer tells Amenadiel that he talked with Dad. And Amenadiel goes, he answered you or he replied to you or something to that effect. This actually leads me to believe that Amenadiel did not actually get the mission as a god goes up to him and says, Amenadiel, go to Earth, get your brother and get him back to his old job. But rather that Amenadiel did this because he thinks this is what God wants. And I'm very curious how this is going to play on because as Lucifer makes it clear, God did not talk to him. He had a vision. I'm curious if we ever going to learn how Amenadiel decided to do this mission. Mm. That's an interesting view 
at the situation. I didn't think of that. My final note for this episode, before we go to the general mumble jumbo, I'm so there for Amanda Deals. What could possibly scare you, brother? And the answer being mom. It sounds very simple. I love it. What could terrify a creature of Lucifer's might? Mother. I have to say, when I saw this first and he just says mom, I was just like, that doesn't sound very terrifying. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm fully on board that mothers often are the most terrifying thing. I'm very curious because the Abrahamic religions do not have anything as a mother figure. They don't have a female god. It's all based on patriarchy. It's this extreme patriarchal male oriented system which also plays into why our society has this patriarchal belief and value system and everything so i have literally no christian or jewish lore to draw upon for who or what this mom is gonna be because it's not gonna be lilith no and in normal creation religion or myths or lores outside of the abrahamic religions usually you have Mother Earth. Yeah. I'm very curious how this is gonna go. And I like that we simply end with the one word answer and then the episode is done. Then the season is done. Yes. I'm super happy that so many things got wrapped up. We get the explanation for Dan, why he seemed so unaffected by Lucifer. I like that Linda learned about the whole Dr. Kanan being a Manadiel, being the brother of Lucifer. Dan turning himself in. We get a lot of small parts that get tied up. Mm -hmm. I am extremely happy that the whole Malcolm story is finished. That we do not take this into the next season. It makes for me utter sense that, of course, the mystery of why is Chloe special. This is going to be with us for probably the entire show. Would be my expectation. And even though we get so many things explained and tied up, we also have interesting new things. Like, where did Mace go? Is Mace now finally gone gone? Or is she still hanging around at Lux? I'm curious what they do with her and I really hope they do something with her. I absolutely love the mom thing, like I said. I'm so confused with the extreme direct involvement of God. So I would not be surprised if God makes a physical appearance at some point because he had this extreme hands-on involvement now. And to me, the next logical step actually would be to be actual hands. <laughs> There's a lot of potential for the next season, which is always good. And all in all, this is a really good season finale because what it satisfies, it also leaves you curious. Yeah. That is the best combination that you can have. Absolutely. Yeah, I, for one, I cannot believe that it's over. It just flew by. Like, when you think about it, it all seems to wrap up so nice and neatly and quick. But we actually went into a massive detail. We got a lot about our characters and it was just very good. Specifically talking about this episode, it was extremely fast-paced. There was so many twists and turns. It was so good. This is what you expect final episode of a season to be. What I really appreciated was when Mace actually had a chat with Chloe for the first time. I mentioned it before, but the fact that she now kind of respects Chloe and that I appreciate. I really like the fact that Linda now knows a little bit more about Lucifer. He did open himself to her a little bit more by sharing the whole Amenadiel thing. And Lucifer has learned a lot about himself. And as I just mentioned minutes ago, his relationship with Chloe. And it's very good. It's very intriguing. And I can't wait for what 
is coming on that end because I'm expecting it to be very heavily impacting on uh, the next season. The what just happened, what we just witnessed him giving up his free will and his freedom for Chloe. And we talked about this in length. But my most favorite part about this episode, and I'm not going to say Trixie, weirdly enough, it's the fact that not only Malcolm is dead dead, but that he dies with no finesse whatsoever. There is no prolonging or anything. They do have like a short conversation. There's no grandstanding. Yeah, we didn't really give him the time he doesn't deserve. Yes. Which is very satisfying to watch. And I love that. Yes, absolutely. There is a lot of things that I am very excited about for the next season. And I will be looking out for. And if you want to know a little bit more about our feelings about this whole some beautiful season. And also our experience of having a podcast. Because this is our first time. Very true. Don't miss our summoning episode next week. Watch our for that because it's going to be a little bit different and as I said at the beginning we're not going to be talking about one specific episode we're going to be talking about the entire season and we're going to be talking about your feedback which is very exciting so I'm assuming that by the time this comes out we have recorded the summoning episode but if you still want to tell us something some of your feelings or anything towards the podcast or towards the show, feel free to send it to lucifer at taot-podcast.com anyway, because we are here and there's going to be more summoning episodes. And we just love getting your feedback. With that, thank you guys for listening. You are the real stars of the show. And if you want to keep in touch with us and don't want to sell us a full-on email... You can tweet at us at the apple of truth in one word. Or you can tag us on Instagram or PM us there at TAOT Podcast. And we also have a Facebook page that can be found under both of these names. Our episodes can be found on Spotify and iTunes. And as we said at the beginning of the episode, there are extremely wonderful people who support us on Patreon. And if you also want to get involved in that way, you can find us on patreon.com slash podcast and see if maybe you want to become one of these wonderful, wonderful people. If not, that's totally fine as well. Thank you for listening to us and thank you for, of course, telling all your friends that they should listen to us as well. Yay. And with this, great season one. See you in the summoning episode. Woohoo! Bye! Bye! <laughs>